Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at the top of the page for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On the same drop-down menu, there's also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 7, A Loss of Certainty. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day, practice on the lesson, today's lesson being 32. I have invented the world I see. I really feel like I'm forgetting something. <laughs> There's that loss of certainty. Okay. Um, Lori, <clears throat> if I may, let me turn to you and ask if you have, a, have one of your wonderful noetic openings for the call this morning. Thanks, Lemoyne. You know, every one of these is a real gift to me. Um, this one in particular is so perfect for the day. I think it's a mermaid poem the title of which is Call from the Unseen. Call from the Unseen. A baby pigeon on the edge of the nest hears the call and begins his flight. How can the soul of the seeker not fly when a message arrives saying, quote, you have been trapped in life like a bird with no wings in a cage with no doors or windows. Come, come back to me." End quote. How can the soul not rip open its coverings and soar to the sky? What is the rope that pulls the soul from above? What is the secret that opens the door? The key is the flutter of the heart's wings and its endless longing. When the door opens, walk on the path where abundance awaits you, where everything old becomes new and never look back. Drink from the hands of the wine-bearer, and you will be blessed even in this life. Call from the unseen. Amen. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. Beautiful. Oh, yeah. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, me too. Thanks, guys. 
Well, thank you, Lori. Well, um, with us this morning and reading, I have Lori, Moran, Robin Marie, Jessica, Karen, and Diana. And with us in listening, I have Ida and Lana. Is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say good morning and maybe join the reading list? Okay, well, I'll get it started then with uh, Section 7 in Chapter 3, which is Retraining the Mind. Today's reading, The Loss of Certainty. We said before that the abilities which man possesses are only shadows of his real strength and that the intrusion of the ability to perceive, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. No one has been sure of anything since. You will also remember, however, that I made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge, which was accomplished by the union of my will with the Father's. We can now make a distinction which will greatly facilitate clarity in our subsequent statements. Lori. Uh, Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 7, The Loss of Certainty. We said before that the abilities which man possesses are only shadows of his real strength, and that the intrusion of the ability to perceive, which is inherently judgmental, was introduced only after the separation. No one has been sure of anything since. You will also remember, however, that I made it clear that the resurrection was the means for the return to knowledge, which was accomplished by the union of my will with the Father's. We can now make a distinction which will greatly facilitate clarity in our subsequent statements. 52. Since the separation, the words, quote, create and, quote, make have been greatly confused. When you make something, you make it out of a sense of lack, of need, or need. Anything that is made is made for a specific purpose and has no true generalizability. When you make something to fill a perceived lack, which is obviously why you would want to make anything, you are tacitly implying that you believe in separation. Knowing as we have frequently observed, knowing as we have frequently observed, does not lead to doing at all. Thank you, Lori. And Fran. 52. Since the separation, the words, quote, create, unquote, make, have been greatly confused. When you make something, 
you make it out of a sense of lack or need. Anything that is made is made for a specific purpose and has no true generalizability. When you make something to fill a perceived lack, which is obviously why you would want to make anything, you are tactfully implying that you believe in separation. Knowing, as we have frequently observed, does not lead to doing at all. Fifty-three. The confusion between your own creation and what you, you create is so profound that it has become literally impossible for you to know anything. Knowledge is always stable, and it is quite evident that human beings are not. Nevertheless, they are perfectly stable as God created them. In this sense, when their behavior is unstable, they are disagreeing with God's idea of the creation. Man can do this if he chooses, but he would hardly want to do it if he were in his right mind. The problem that bothers you most is the fundamental question that man continually asks of himself, but which cannot properly be directed to himself at all. He keeps asking himself what he is. This implies that the answer is not only one which he knows, but is also one which is up to him to supply. Thank you, friend. And Robin Murray. Fifty-three. The confusion between your own creation and what you create is so profound that it has become literally impossible for you to know anything. Knowledge is always stable. And it is quite evident that human beings are not. Nevertheless, they are perfectly stable as God created them. In this sense, when their behavior is unstable, they are disagreeing with God's idea of the creation. Man can do this if he chooses, but he would hardly want to do it if he were in his right mind. The problem that bothers you most is the fundamental question which man continually asks of himself, but which cannot properly be directed to himself at all. He keeps asking himself what he is. This implies that the answer is not only one which he knows, but is also one which is up to him to supply. 54. Man cannot perceive himself correctly. He has no image. The word, quote, image, unquote, is always perception-related and not a product of knowing. Images are symbolic and stand for something else. The current emphasis on, quote, changing your image, unquote, merely recognizes the power of perception, but it also implies that there is nothing to know. Knowing is not open to interpretation. It is possible to, quote, interpret, unquote, meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the, to the perception of meaning. Such wholly needless complexities are the result of man's attempt to regard himself as, wholly, as both separated 
and unseparated at the same time. It is impossible to undertake a confusion as fundamental as this without engaging in further confusion. Thank you, Robin Marie and Jessica. <clears throat> 54. Man cannot perceive himself correctly. He has no image. The word, quote, image is always perception related and not a product of knowing. Images are symbolic and stand for something else. The current emphasis on, quote, changing your image merely recognizes the power of perception, but it also implies that there is nothing to know. Knowing is not open to interpretation. It is possible to, quote, interpret meaning, but this is always open to error because it refers to the perception of meaning. Such wholly needless complexities are the result of man's attempt to regard himself as both separated and unseparated at the same time. It is impossible to undertake a confusion as fundamental as this without engaging in further confusion. Methodologically, Man's mind has been very creative, but as always occurs when method and content are separated, it has not been utilized for anything but an attempt to escape a fundamental and entirely inescapable impasse. This kind of thinking cannot result in a creative outcome, although it has resulted in considerable ingenuity. It is noteworthy, however, that this ingenuity has almost totally divorced him from knowledge. Knowledge does not require ingenuity. When we say, quote, the truth shall set you free, unquote, we mean that all this kind of thinking is a waste of time, but that you are free of the need to escape, I mean, to engage in it, if you are willing to let it go. Thank you, Jessica. And Karen? 55. Methodologically, man's mind has been very creative, but as always occurs when method and content are separated, it has not been utilized for anything but an attempt to escape a fundamental and entirely inescapable impact. This kind of thinking cannot result in a creative outcome, although it has resulted in considerable ingenuity. It is noteworthy, however, that this ingenuity has almost totally divorced him from knowledge. Knowledge does not require ingenuity. When we say, quote, the truth shall set you free, unquote, we mean that all this kind of thinking is a waste of time. 
but that you are free of the need to engage in it if you are willing to let it go. 56. Prayer is a way of asking for something. Prayer is the medium of miracles, but the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness. Because those who have been forgiven have everything. Once forgiveness has been accepted, prayer in the usual sense becomes utterly meaningless. Essentially, a prayer for forgiveness is nothing more than a request that we may be able to recognize something we have, something we already have. Excuse me, reread that. Essentially, a prayer for forgiveness is nothing more than a request that we may be able to recognize something we already have. In electing to perceive instead of to know, man placed himself in a position where he could resemble his father only by miraculously perceiving. He has lost the knowledge that he himself is a miracle. Miraculous creation was his source and also his real function. Thank you, Karen and Diana. Hi. For uh, 56, prayer is a way of asking for something. Prayer is a medium of miracles, but the only meaningful prayer is for forgiveness because those who have been forgiven have everything. Once forgiveness has been accepted, prayer in the usual sense becomes utterly meaningless. Essentially, a prayer of forgiveness is nothing more than a request that we may be able to recognize something we already have. In electing to perceive instead of to know, a man placed himself in a position where he could resemble his father only by miraculous perceiving. He has lost the knowledge that he himself is a miracle. Miraculous creation was his source and also his real function. 57, quote, God created man in his own image and likeness, unquote, is correct in meaning, but the words are open to considerable misinterpretation. This is avoided, however, if, quote, image, unquote, is understood to mean, quote, thought, unquote, and, quote, likeness, unquote, is taken as, quote, of a like quality, quote, God did create the soul in his own thought and of a quality like to his own. There is nothing else. Perception, on the other hand, is impossible without a belief in, quote, more and, quote, less, unquote. Perception at every level involves selectivity and is incapable of organization without it. Um, In all types of perception, 
There is a continual process of accepting and rejecting or organizing and reorganizing, of shifting and changing focus. Elevation is an essential part of perception because judgments must be made for selection. Thank you. Uh, thank, <clears throat> thank you, Diana. And is there a new reader for 57 and 58? New reader for 57 and 58? Okay, um, back to you, Lori. Oh, thank you. Quote, God created man in his own image and likeness, end quote, is correct in meaning, but the words are open to considerable misinterpretation. This is avoided, however, if image is understood to mean thought and likeness is taken as of a like quality, thought of a like quality. God did create the soul in his own thought and of a quality like to his own. There is nothing else. Perception, on the other hand, is impossible without a belief in more and less. Perception at every level involves selectivity and is incapable of organization without it. In all types of perception, there is a continual process of accepting and rejecting or organizing and reorganizing, of shifting and changing focus. Evaluation is an essential part of perception because judgments must be made for selection. Oh boy, 58. What happens to perceptions if there are no judgments and there is nothing but perfect equality? Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known. All of it is equally true and knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception because partial awareness, whoopsie daisy, knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception because partial knowledge is impossible. It is all one and has no separate parts. You who are really one with it, need but know yourself and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know him. Thank you, Lori and Fran. 58. What happens to perceptions if there are no judgments and there is nothing but perfect equality? Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known. All of it is equally true and knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception because partial knowledge is impossible. 
It is all one and has no separate parts. You who are really one with it need but know yourself, and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know him. 59. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. Each soul knows God completely. That is the miraculous power of the soul. The fact that each one has this power completely is a fact that is entirely alien to human thinking in which if anyone has anything, there is nothing left. God's miracles are as total as his thoughts because they are his thoughts. Thank you, friend. And Robin Murray. Fifty-nine. Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. Each soul knows God completely. That is the miraculous power of the soul. The fact that each one has this power completely is a fact that is entirely alien to human thinking, in which if anyone has everything, there is nothing left. God's miracles are as total as his thoughts, because they are his thoughts. 60. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Since perception rests on lack, those who perceive have not totally accepted the atonement and given themselves over to truth. Perception is a separated state, and a perceiver does need healing. Communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know God. Oh, communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know. God and his miracles are inseparable. How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. Thank you, Robin Murray and Jessica. Okay. Um, 60. As long as perception lasts, prayer has a place. Since perception rests on lack, those who perceive have not totally accepted the atonement and given themselves over to truth. Perception is a separated state, and a perceiver does need healing. Communion, not prayer, is the natural state of those who know. God and his miracles are are inseparable. 
How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. Amen. Yes, amen. Thank you, Jessica. And, uh, yeah, there's a a lot in this one, you know, the distinction between create and make the relationship of perception to uh, our confusion um, and to and the difference between you know the kind of what arises from confusion of image form and content <clears throat> and uh, very a very interesting definition of forgiveness Forgiveness is the healing of the perception of separation. Correct perception of each other is necessary because minds have willed to see themselves as separate. And of course, uh, this whole thing that uh, it slides us right into here that... uh, asking us to recognize ourselves and each other as miracles um, created by <clears throat> thoughts of God. How beautiful indeed are the thoughts of God who live in his light. Your worth is beyond perception because it is beyond doubt. Do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. And uh, I'll stop there and say the floor is open. We've got a few minutes before the top of the hour. I know this is probably a ridiculous question to everybody, but the very first um, paragraph, 51, um, we... They talked about after the separation. What are they talking about? When did the separation actually happen? I'm complete. I I think the book would hint that hints or points that the separation was the beginning of time. Actually, <laughs> one way to look at it. Okay, that helps. Thank you. Perhaps the entry into form. Uh, implies the possibility of separation and we took that and tried to make it real you know however uh, it's something of this (laughs) something in there between the beginning of a a life as a human and the beginning of time (laughs) morning this is Sandra and the separation never happened that's what this book says. 
I created the separation when I thought I was a body. And I did it so innocently because the truth is I give everything the meaning that it has. And innocently, as a young child, when I, well, I I would just say that in the world's view, I have been victimized. And um, from the world's perspective, And when that happened, I focused in on a body because it was physical victimization. I focused in on a body innocently, and then I started to give it meaning innocently. And the meaning that I gave it was that I'm not worthy, that I'm not good enough, that there's something wrong with me. And all of that comes from body identification. And, when I, and I was very ingenious with it because I turned the body identification into survival. And I did all this innocently. And now this book is telling me I'm not a victim of the world I see. That I gave that victimhood meaning because I forgot that I was spirit, that I am as God created me. And I started to identify with being a body, innocently, innocently. And we all do it, whether we've been beaten and abused or whether we've been emotionally abused by people telling us that we were sinners. It doesn't matter. It's abuse. And as soon as any abuse is there, The identity goes into being a body, unless, of course, you are the Christ, which we all are. Because my will determines my perception, and I will to be the Christ here on earth. I will to transcend this body and be the spirit of love. The first thing I have to do is to forgive myself for innocently believing that I was a body. And that brings us, it could bring us into the lesson, which is I have innocently invented the world I see. I'm complete. Oh, three cheers, Sandra. Um, Thank you. is palpable. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. That was a very fulsome answer. Yeah. If I may, um, there's only four, just four minutes before the top of the hour, but Sandra, your, your, um, your share reminded me of, um, and perhaps you've heard it, that it's called the parable of life after delivery, uh, or a parable from your sacred self by Wayne Dyer. Um, I won't belabor it if you've all heard it, but um, I think it's a pretty good, pretty good place for for um, segue into the lesson. Anyway, the, in a mother's womb, there were two babies, and one asked the other, "Do you believe in life after delivery?" 
The other replied, why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we prepare ourselves for what will be later. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. What kind of life would that be? The second said, I don't know, but there will be more light. Maybe we'll walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. Maybe we'll have other senses we can't understand here. The first replied, that is absurd. Walking is impossible and eating with our mouths is ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition and everything we need. But the umbilical cord is so short, life after delivery is to be logically excluded. <laughs> the second insisted, well, I think there is something and maybe it's different than it is here. Maybe we won't need this physical cord. And the first replied, nonsense. And moreover, if there is life, then why has no one ever come back from there? Delivery is the end of life. And in the after delivery, there is nothing but darkness and silence and oblivion. Takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the second, but certainly we will meet Mother and she will take care of us. The first replied, Mother? You actually believe in Mother? That's laughable. If Mother exists, then where is she now? The second said, She's all around us. We're surrounded by her. We are of her. It is in her that we live. Without her, this world would not, it could not exist. Said the first, well, I don't see her, so it is only logical that she doesn't exist. To which the second replied, sometimes, when you're in silence, and you focus, and you really listen, you can perceive her presence, and you can hear her loving voice calling down from above. How about that sacred self? Um, and its contrast with the world I invented. I'm complete. Well, wow, Lori. Wow. I have right. never heard that. It was really wonderful. Thank you. Totally. I loved it. Thank you, Lori. Yes. What a wonderful journey that was. Thank you. Thank you, Laurie. That was great. Yeah, Sandra nudged that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, Laurie. Thank perfect, perfect placement. Tell that so well. I can I can listen to it again now. <laughs> but we're at the top of the hour, so um, I asked that everyone give their attention to Fran as she leads us in the lesson for the day, lesson thirty-two. I have invented the world I see. Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the first part of the workbook. And today we are on lesson 32, I Have Invented the World I See. So I shall read the lesson and then we will do our practice based on the lesson. Okay, lesson 32, I Have Invented the World I See. Today, we are continuing to develop the theme of cause and effect. You are not the victim of the world you see because you invented it. 
You can give it up as easily as you made it up. You will see it or not see it as you wish. While you want it, you will see it. When you no longer want it, it will not be there for you to see. The idea for today, like the preceding ones, applies to your inner and outer worlds, which are actually the same. However, since you see them as different, the practice periods for today will again include two phases, one involving the world you see outside you and the other the world you see in your mind. In today's exercises, try to introduce the thought that both are in your own imagination. Again, we will begin the practice periods for the morning and evening by repeating the idea for today two or three times while looking around at the world you see as outside yourself. Then close your eyes and look around your inner world. Try to treat them both as equally as possible. Repeat the idea for today unhurriedly as often as you wish as you watch the images your imagination presents to your awareness. For the two longer practice periods, three to five minutes are recommended, with not less than three required. More than five can be utilized if you find the exercises restful. To facilitate this, select a time when few distractions are anticipated and when you yourself are reasonably ready. These exercises are also to be continued during the day as often as possible. The shorter applications consist of repeating the idea slowly as you survey either your inner or outer world. It does not matter which you choose. The idea for today should also be applied immediately to any situation that may distress you. Apply the idea by telling yourself, I have invented this situation as I see it. Lesson 32, I have invented the world I see. Five minutes.
Now I'm going to read the paragraph from the review of Lesson 32. I have invented the world I see. I made up the prison in which I see myself. All I need do is recognize this and I am free. I have deluded myself into believing it is possible to imprison the Son of God. I was bitterly mistaken in this belief, which I no longer want. The Son of God must be forever free. He is as God created him, and not what I would make of him. He is where God would have him be, and not where I thought to hold him prisoner. Lesson 32. I have invented the world I see. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. That's definitely a powerful review there, that paragraph. Amazing. All I, I need to do is recognize this. Right. And I am free. Yeah. Thank you so much, friends. And I just uh, so grateful for everyone, for my mighty companions, and how you keep illuminating the path in front of me. It's just an incredible Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Jessica. I sure thank you, Jessica. You. Thank you, friend. Um, well, uh, this is Jessica, and I just want to say something else about, well, I guess it's about the reading and the lesson, but the whole idea of image is, it's really kind of hilarious because um, the world is so much caught up in the idea of image. And, you know, obviously we all know that, you know, it started with printed advertisements and then it went to um, television now it's everywhere um, constantly being bombarded you know social media I, I don't usually go on Facebook but sometimes I do and I go on Instagram and you know you're going along seeing what your friends are up to and seeing beautiful quotes and stuff like that and beautiful art and then boom there's an ad <laughs> and, and it's like oh Oh, that looks nice. Oh, maybe I should get that, and then I would look nice. <laughs> and I'm very susceptible to this. And I suppose many of us are, but some less than others. And I'm really, I'm really wanting to take this to heart that he says in the last paragraph, do not perceive yourself in different lights. Know yourself in the one light where the miracle that is you is perfectly clear. You know, so I, I, I think that any amount of time I spend either looking for 
um, ways to uh, influence people's perception of me with my quote-unquote image or my own perception. It's not even other people so much. It's my own perception of myself that is now the sort of last bat of my my not being a, my my perception. My perception is caught, and I want to let it go. I want to let it go and be and be really open to knowledge completely. I did experience knowledge, and and Lee used to encourage me to share that experience, and I know others have had similar ones of just this incredible being transported to the truth and being just incredibly filled with love and light and and truth. And I glimpsed the knowledge. I know it's there. And I did not have a body and I did not have any image. And I was totally 100% connected with everyone and understood everyone. And, you know, so when I read this course, I mean, this is part of what, when I started reading this course, I was like, oh, this is it. This is about what happened to me. This is the truth. I know it to be the truth. I feel it. And and so, you know, I I don't want to be frustrated with myself because I know time is not really real. Um, I just want to be gentle and loving and, you know, let go of the attachment to any kind of image, which is is definitely a challenge for me. Um, and I and I really value the help of others. I I'm a member of a Quaker meeting in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and and as many of you know, probably know, that Quakers are all about simplicity and not and not um, needing the uh, idols or images or any of that stuff and, and I struggle with that um, but anyway I, I I want to know myself in the one light where the miracle that is me is perfectly clear and the miracle that is us because we are one and complete oh, what a path thank you Jessica yeah, thank you, I resonate deeply with you. <clears throat> thank you, Jessica. That was lovely. Good morning. Thank you, everybody, for reading. I um, I am. I am. Those sacred words, be still and know I am. We all share that awareness. I am, I exist. And in asking who and what I am and divesting myself of the image of the body, all the roles that I ascribe to myself that the world ascribes to me, divest myself of, of, of an age and a sex, a gender that's associated with the body, divest myself of an age. I am that, I am that, 
has always been with me since the time I came into the world. I was aware. I am aware. I am aware that I have a body. I am aware I have a mother, and I'm aware there is a world. All that is perceived and changing. And as I grow up and I look in the mirror, I am it's still the same. That changeless I am that knows that I'm changing, that can see the changes in the body, see the changes in my mother and my brothers and my sisters, see the changes in my house and the school and the places that I play. And I am never changes. The I am that I am today is the same I am that, that came with me when I came into the world and was born as a human being. The Course describes that as the divine spark in me, that formless, changeless light in me that gave light and beingness to me as a human being. That stillness, that quietness that makes, makes me able to discern the difference between what is good and what is pleasure and what is pain. And in seeking everything that's pleasurable and things that make me happy, I'm seeking God, I'm seeking myself, seeking to restore myself in the world of duality to a place where I am changeless and the same. So all the seeking I've ever sought in anything outside of myself in the world was merely seeking myself, my capital self, the state of mind, because all seeking, once it's, once it's found, restores me to my natural state of peace and contentment. And this is what I've always been seeking. My whole entire life, when I came to recognizing that what I thought wasn't giving me happiness, that things that I thought brought me pleasure, brought me pain, I recognized it wasn't the thing that I... I thought that brought me peace and contentment. And I saw myself more clearly. I saw myself in the light, in the truth of who I was, that I need not seek outside of myself, that who and what I am is a constant state of pure being aware, aware in consciousness of everything that is perceivable, that is within my mind, because I have consciousness, because I have awareness that I share with the one mind that creates everything, everything that is phenomenal and changing, including my body, is a manifestation of the mind, the one mind of consciousness, whole, whole and complete. So what is formless, takes form, and what is form goes right back into consciousness. That's what the Alpha, alpha and the Omega mean to me. All that appears in, in, in my mind, in my awareness, my thoughts, my perceptions, my sensations, all that's temporal in, in space and time is all within my mind, the mind I share with God, that is still and peaceful and happy and joyous, come what may, 
I may not always like it. I may not always want it. (laughs) But God comes, and it's up to God in his totality what comes to each and every one of us. But I think he wants us to see all of it and not limit our attention to what we think we like and what we think we want. Ergo, there I go. I'll be quiet now. Thank you all for being here together as one. From that one consciousness is where we derive our strength and our unity and the state of mind that is a state of grace, resting in a state of grace and peace and unity. Amen. I'm complete. Excellent share. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I had a question. <laughs> I love the way your voice pops in, Anne-Marie. It's so sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes I feel like a butterfly or a bubble, I know. <laughs> that must be working with kids. Anyway, in uh, paragraph 60, um, it's interesting about the difference between prayer and communion. And I was uh, thinking that in communion, um, maybe that's the way to flip-flop prayer just a knowing that we are part of um, the one mind and that the people that we um, would like to bring into awareness and and awaken uh, are also actually there already. And I am wondering if anybody out there has the has the experience of praying, quote-unquote, flipped into communion for other people that that is that would be extremely powerful if we knew how to do that. So I'm wondering if anybody can speak to that. It's always true already. It always has been and always will be. You, that's what we have to acknowledge and recognize. It's, it's not something we've ever lost or something that we can find. It's always been this way. I'm complete. Are you referring to praying for your enemies? Is that kind of like what you're describing? Not in particular. I just, you know, whenever someone comes to mind, you know, I uh, I would like to be able to focus my heart on that person in a powerful way. I I feel like I'd like to be able to con- consciously aware be aware of 
the connection that I have with that person. You know, there are a couple of people that I do have that connection with, but I would like to feel that for, um, you know, whoever pops into my mind. I don't really think about enemies so much. I think about cartoon figures. I mean, there are some people that have been made into cartoons, so they aren't really relatable to me. And I try not to, like, look at the news so much as I read things about. But, yeah, any any ideas about, because I, you know, I've been praying and it's changed to seeing people whole and well. But I did that before. So I don't know. I, maybe I'm not very clear about it. Uh, I think. Are you complete? Oh. Yeah, I'm complete. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Sandra. I was just going to say the great equalizer is spirit. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Um, there's um, a wonderful thing I found uh, that happens to my awareness in just the practice of contemplative prayer and I call it entering into presence but in terms of exactly what you're talking about um, have a look at chapter 19 paragraphs 102 through 117. Okay, wait. Just 19. Now, me... Okay. okay. 19. Ch- chapter 19, paragraphs 102 through 117. Okay. It's, it's a beautiful uh, description of what it's like to um, hold in your awareness this one and enter presence with this one. And... Um, and to lift the veil together, and um, and it's definitely an experience that's available, accessible, real, and true. And um, and and uh, you know, there just aren't any better words than his. I'm complete. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, um, Lori. Yeah, thank um, you, Lori. I I have a, a thought on that. Um, I think <clears throat> your prayer has to be in line with whoever you're praying with, with Christ knowing, not what you think, you know, for them, um, but in line with what he knows. Because my perception, when I'm outside of acceptance of who I am in Christ, that has any kind of fear or doubt or story attached to my outcome of how I think it should be is is the separated state. And 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 in that in in that idea I'm the one that also needs healing. Um but when I'm in line, I think communion is not a prayer, it's a natural state of those who really know and trust God. And, and the decisions that need to be made. Um, 
And my own daughters were going through a very difficult stage. And I have to thank everybody on the call, the after call, that helped pray for this situation that they were in. You know, their their wills were, you know, there were such walls of division between them. And they were in a, a conference and they were called to HR and they said, okay, you two need to work this out because they were the top producers in the company. And, they, and these girls that love each other had such blinders on and they needed to talk it out. And they did. And afterwards, you know, they went outside, forfeited their um, their lunch break to just love, come back to love and acceptance and hear each other and let it go and, you know, and let it go and, and return back to what is true. I think if whenever we get sidetracked um, with our own thinking, we get in trouble. But if I can trust like I did yesterday, it's not, I don't know. I don't know anything. You know, I don't know the solution except to give it to God. And when I did in prayerful, you know, Thanksgiving, that turning it over, okay, it's yours. It's yours. When I think about it, I don't know this situation, this result, or how to resolve it, but you do. And it was resolved in a loving, giving, accepting way in Christ's mind. They saw each other, you know, in love, and everything else was dissolved, you know. Um, I'm getting way off track, but I just say, you know, I think if you're in line with Christ knowing, then that is the right vision. I'm complete. Thank you. That was a beautiful story about your daughters. I'm glad. I'm very happy to hear that. You know, happier than this family. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I just have to go back to patience. I need a lot of patience. (laughs) I put the seed in the ground. It's just, you know, it takes a long time sometimes for that to spring up. Thank you for all your ideas.
Hi, um, it's Jude again. I'm looking at the paragraph where it speaks about um, um, perception and, and um, how it always involves selectivity, specific specifics and evaluations is an essential aspect of perception because judgment must be made as the basis for selection and how um, lack is a concept um, which is is um, where all perception arose where the the separation of consciousness where it made perception instead of knowledge its choice and which is the same choice that we have today to know rather than to perceive is the relinquishment of all judgment which is what the course describes as forgiveness the relinquishment of judging things as different and to see them as all one and the same and that's that's what is to see everything as God, to see God in everything as one one whole entire thing, not a thing, it's not a thing because it's a way of knowing it all as one, that God knows everything as himself, that innocence knows everything as innocence knows everything as kindness in its same likeness and quality. It doesn't judge it as any other in any other way. As 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 it sees itself, it knows itself without any difference or distinction. And that's what makes it pure perception. That it sees only holiness, it sees only innocence. And it sees its beneficence as a gift that everything that is phenomenal and changing is a given and a gift to see it without judgment that's to see it through Christ's consciousness where Christ Christ's mind is totally still and does not judge it it merely loves it it loves everything as itself these universally applicable concepts, if you will, it's it's difficult to put it into words because it's beyond words. It's an understanding of the heart that sees everything as as beautiful and as as a, a part of what is is given as a gift from God because it's all God himself in each and every part. And it, and it speaks of that, um, that God being in every part and every part being of the whole of him. But that whole oneness of him is the perspective that we are being taught to learn to look from. I'm looking through the eyes of God to see God in everything <clears throat> without any interference from Judy's past learning of the world, names and beliefs 
differences and distinctions. Jude has to let go of all her all of her thoughts, all of her thinking, everything she thinks she knows, and and let God write on her mind as a blank slate. And this is where listening, just looking, just seeing, and just listening and hearing become an open vessel for God to to put what he would like to put into my mind. So what I'm seeing and I'm listening to, I can respond in kind to what I'm seeing and what I'm listening to. Everything being a call to love, to love itself as itself. They're very general, generalized, universal kinds of understanding the way that we're, we're being in the world. There's nothing personal about it. It's all an impersonal God giving himself and personally equally giving him his perfect love equally to each and every part that lights it with the luminosity that is God himself, that we can't see with the body's eyes, but we can feel and sense with our hearts, with our open minds and our open hearts. If I see everything as a gift, as a given, something that's given to me, I haven't done anything to earn it or deserve it. I'm worthy of it because God gave me his spark the light of conscious awareness of it, that I see everything as a gift. But I can't, I can't be aware of that presence, that totality of awareness, if I'm slicing and dicing it up according to what I think is right and wrong in, in opposition to it and, and wanting to change it or fix it. If I have that kind of a mind that thinks like that, there's something wrong here. According to my preferences or my fears, perfect love has, holds no fear. It's an openness and a, and a welcoming of all that is what it is. It simply is what it is. And all the miscreating that we're doing is, is because of the conflict that we have with each and every individual distinct, different part. I don't like this and I don't want that. Which is not, God, love opposes nothing. Love, is, love and peace is the power that opposes nothing. It unconditionally accepts and unconditionally loves everything. So with that open-mindedness and open-heartedness, I start my day. Here I go, there I go again. (laughs) I am complete. My arms are open. Thank you. Thanks for that. Thank you, Judy. Nice riffing. Thanks, Judy. Yeah, really, this is Sandra. I really liked your reference to taking things personally because 
that's when I became a person. <laughs> as soon as I experienced some kind of a threat or an upset, and I took it personally, um, I no longer became selfless. I became a person. <laughs> and then that's where my identity went. So, I mean, the world is the world. I just can't take it personally, any of it. The only thing I can take personally is my identity with God, <laughs> that I am complete and whole and healed and perfect in every way because I'm not a body. I'm eternal. I'm immortal because I'm not a body. It's hard when your whole system, when you've been programmed, when I've been programmed, and also, I mean, I did it. It was programming, but I also, I made those decisions myself. And um, I would say that selfless service is not to take anything personally. I'm complete. <clears throat> Good Thank point. you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. I think being human, we all do that. We grow up into a person um, to a certain level of maturity. And I think everybody is familiar with Piaget's you know, growing into maturity and, you know, seeking outside of ourselves to grow into a mature physically, emotional, and intellectual human being where, you know, we we mature out of that um, selfish, self-centered, needy kind of um, seeking and, and grow up bigger and better than that. And we become uh, servants, of of uh, of our souls, where we want to be of service to other people and be helpful, and you know, we just grow up and and out of ourselves, and to the point where you know, doing doing any kind of service work in the world isn't even enough anymore. That we we seek to find the truth of ourselves, where we really totally just become aware that we we're already that self, that I am that self that I've always been seeking, and I think that's what the Course has revealed to me, you know, that seek not outside of yourself because you were created complete and whole and, and capable of, of infinitely loving all that there is, and, and that fear is never necessary. And studying the first chapter of the Course where he talks about that detour into fear is where we took took on that personal um, self-referencing our identity to our body that we identified so much with our our biological instinctual fears that are innately human and there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, it keeps us from burning ourselves and and I'm running out in front of traffic, but, you know, driving a car can be a pleasurable thing, and, and, and fire can be a, a warm and wonderful thing on a cold night, but, you know, just enough of it, you know. This whole idea of more and less comes from that idea of perception and evaluation, what's good and what's bad, what's pleasure and what's pain. And this is what the Course is helping me to understand, that I'm beyond the limits of perception. 
I need not be limited to my ideas and beliefs of who I am, defining myself as a body, because I'm not the body, I'm purely mind. And growing out of that mistaken, limited self of sense of appraisal, which is just being a body. I have a body, and that's the joy of being human, the joy of, of our creating, creating bodies. It, it made us capable of, of sensing, tasting, touching, smelling through a, a particular instrument individually. There's nothing wrong with it, but we're not limited to it or by it. And I think that's what the Course is trying to teach me, that my expansiveness and my grandeur and my magnitude extend to everyone's beingness as one and the same with me, that I'm not limited from my brothers and sisters because they are me, and every experience that everybody is having is me, capital me. And that, and listening to people's stories, they're my stories too, good or bad, and I can learn from all of them. Infinite learning, infinite expression. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but I got a quickening going on here. <laughs> I'll be quiet now. You never talk too much. It's always perfect. Thank you. <laughs> You're ever kind. Thank you, Fran. Hi, this is RJ. I have a question. May I ask a question, please? Go for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to say, ask no. you a question. What if I said no? <laughs> Go ahead, that would, RJ. That would, that would be fine. <laughs> I come from the school, the only dumb question is the one that's not asked. And that's oh. a pun. That's a pun. Um, anyway. <laughs> it, may, it may or may not have to do with level confusion and... Uh, Today's lesson is about inventing um, the world we see or kind of creating our own images that sometimes lead to judgment and suffering. Um, I think I'm getting better at it. I think in the past I was raised to believe that um, making a profit and having money meant that I should be happier and being in debt should mean that I should have a judgment about being in debt. And I was talking to a Course in Miracles instructor, and um, we were having a really nice discussion about that. Um, and the more I realize how important oneness is and just the remembrance of the truth that is eternal, uh, in God's world, I don't think there is profit and loss. Those are kind of ups and downs that take place in this world. Um, because... I guess 15 years ago, I was $15,000 in debt. Today, I've got $30,000 in the bank. And when I think about myself, I was still the same person when I was $15,000 in debt than I am today. I don't really 
feel that much different. Like, I feel like I'm still the same loving, happy, beautiful person. So maybe these levels of ups and downs, profit and loss, are just temporary temptations to choose fear and judgment and attack. And uh, I can just enjoy life and just enjoy the ebb and flow of the breathing in and the breathing out. So perhaps I've answered my own question, but it's an interesting concept about, I guess my question is, are there other people on this call that have triggers around profit and loss? That's my question. Uh, Triggers around what? Profit and loss, either being, you know, being profitable or or running a deficit or living on credit cards or... You know. This is Fran, <clears throat> RJ. <laughs> I'm in the art world, and I have been that way my whole life, and I'm so glad that you just shared what you shared. Thank you. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. Was there more, Fran, or are you done? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm done. Okay, no, that's fine. Um, yeah, it wasn't the question was in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, RJ, I mean, I've, uh, this is Lemoyne, I've, uh, suffered the whole thing um, around money and uh, <clears throat> you know I recognized I think I could see for a long time before it really started perhaps to shift <laughs> that um, well first you know I thought I thought just the whole thing of money is evil but you know actually the Bible is pretty clear on that one that says it's the love of money is the root of all evil and uh, um, and I think that's like all generalizations all generalizations are false <laughs> uh, that in a real sense my hatred and fear of, of that um, is just a mask for envy in a lot of ways for people that I felt had it easier in some way or another. And uh, not just that it was given to them. And it's not like nothing was ever, like I grew up in poverty or anything, but that, that they had, you know, special advantages either in, and just in money itself or in um, and you know I think what it finally comes came around to was just in expressing I, I think is what it is that they felt free enough to enter in and that there's that the people who are, there are at least some of the people who are very, very successful 
they don't really have a concern for it. They just express what they express and and they enter into this flow of abundance and it flows to them and 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 very likely and in many cases there are some really amazing cases where it flows through them. Like the guy who invented the five hour energy drink, he as soon as he made a billion dollars, it's like he he wasn't too so concerned about his business anymore. He went around the world building hospitals. I think he's still doing it, building hospitals for people who who are you know have in the community of readiness to to participate and take it over and and. And so he's giving people what they really need and are ready for. And uh, <laughs> it's uh, not to get lost in that example. But yeah, the, the, I've, I've had a lot of struggle about it, around it. <clears throat> and I think, but on the other hand, it's... Uh, you know, okay, so let me just say one more thing about that struggle. It's like it's like the Course says that, um, although it may be Course of Love, it's and I think, I believe, a Course in Miracles, definitely. You know, our way will be more direct. That, <clears throat> you know, you can get to the kind of realization that this course intends to communicate, does communicate, um, by, you know, sitting in a cave and and, uh, and just meditating, by attempting to, you know, as, as much as, humanly possible escape form, right? I think of the guy just sitting on the street in India, just smiling, you know, just sitting there smiling. <clears throat> Shares his food with the monkeys, that kind of thing. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, it can be done through the path of, uh, I want to use the word, self-abnegation. But I, I couldn't even really commit to that. <laughs> so it's like, ah. <laughs> you know, and I felt, uh, a lot of times I felt trapped in roles that demanded that I produce that, and it always seemed to go backwards into mm-hmm. greater debt or something like that. <clears throat> but I, you know, I kind of realized once I it was just before I really started with the Course in Miracles was Occupy, and at that time I I recognized something was going on there that's way beyond with the form or anything else, and it was an attempt for for a lesson to come through that. You know, you you could go there and there was always something to eat. You know, people have water. And our local one, there was one guy who really wanted to bring a pay for and provide porta potties. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that ever happened. But, you know, it, it, it then lessened the basic lesson. Let me not belabor it with the detail of the form. But the, the basic lesson that I felt that was people were, were learning or could learn through this thing was that we don't need money. We need each other. You know, we don't need money to live, but we need each other. And if you look at anything you go to the store and get that's, uh, you, know, you know, I'll use my can of beans, right? There are there are hundreds of people involved in producing the steel for the can, the can itself, doing the canning. And I haven't even talked about the beans yet. And although there's been a lot of... Uh, mechanization removing people they're still they're still there um you know packing packing it in the can packing it in the box packing moving the boxes around trucking the boxes the the whole way down putting it on the shelf checking us out of the store it, it's just that life this is maybe not a not as good an example as a as a uh, as the web of life in the biosphere, but it's the same kind of thing that nothing exists alone, and uh, that um, yeah, I, it's still I still need <laughs> there's still more for me to let go. I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. I feel the interference um, in uh, really entering abundance, and I know it's my interference. It has nothing to do with um, um, well, I, w- I won't say it has absolutely nothing to do with the world outside me because that's, that's a statement of pure separation. But, you know, I've made selections of what I see and how I judge things. It's about my interference with the flow of abundance that is uh, life itself. Anyway, I hope that uh, hope that helps. Um, I've definitely had those problems. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thanks, Lemoyne. This is Sandra. And um, RJ, have you ever heard of money being um, uh, a an, an, a form of energy exchange? Yeah, yeah, I have. So, um, if that's true, then it's not just about the money. It's about uh, you know exchanging your talents and your other you know other ways of of giving. Um, but I think this whole course is about being responsible. So for me it is. So, and I include money in that. So I don't live beyond my means. That's it. And I've been poor as a church mouse and been so grateful to just be able to pay my bills and have food in the fridge and, and uh, paid the, my rent and my car payment and, 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 you know, had gas in the car and, and, and I had $10 in the bank. And I was just so grateful. 
because I felt like, well, made it through another month. (laughs) And living hand-to-mouth like that helped me to learn that the universe, God, has my back. And, um, you know, so I needed to have all those experiences and, and, you know, now I find myself not having to worry about money. But I think that's because I learned to live within my means and, and, and didn't think that I was um, deprived of anything because I did that. I, I thought it was a big game. <laughs> I thought, hey, look at what I just did. I just went another month on, on little or nothing. <laughs> and it was just my faith. It was mm-hmm. that energy, faith, that um, and 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 being responsible as well. For me, that was being responsible. Uh, having g- large credit card debts tells me that I'm not living, and I don't have credit cards. I have debit cards, so if there's no money, I don't buy it. So that's just how I've handled it. I'm complete. Thank you. I love this Thank question you, too, RJ. I, this is Jude. I have um, come to understand that um, through vision, which we're um, learning the difference between perception, seeing through the body's eyes, perceiving ourselves as a body, as a person separate in a body, as people being other than us, which is the state of separation. Um, is being in others, being in bodies. That's the whole, whole long and short of uh, the difference between vision. Vision sees everything as one and the same. It doesn't see the body. It doesn't see the person as an image in the body. It doesn't judge a person uh, like a book by its cover by its body, by what it wears or what it drives or what house it has, how much money it has in the bank, all the money, property, prestige, that is what the world, world's image-making of us is about. This is the difference between how God would have me see it, that everybody is equal, equal in God's eyes, equally deserving of love, and respect and honor and appreciation as a child of God, that no one is deserved to be treated as more or less, better or worse. This is where the complete cessation of judgment comes in, where complete forgiveness, total forgiveness, Christ forgiveness, pure forgiveness comes in. I don't judge any part of it. Because to judge part of it is to judge all of it. It's universal, it's whole, and it's complete. So it doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. One way or another, in God's eyes, in God's eyes, there's no money in heaven. (laughs) Die and Mm, see if you mm -hmm. can take it with you. (laughs) If we were given everything, and Christ tells us, we, each and every one of us, have the kingdom of God within us when God gave us himself in creating us. He gave us everything. How can there be any loss? How can there be any gain? 
How can there be any more? How can there be any less? See what I'm saying? I'm complete. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I've got my old way of thinking and I have uh, my new way of thinking. And of course, I enjoy the new way of thinking, which tells me that you know, God is perfect love, perfect abundance, perfect peace, perfect integrity. And unless I put up a story against that, then I'm the one who creates the denial of, of the blessing. My example would be last night... I was in my apartment and I wanted to be blessed and I wanted to love myself and I wanted some food and I wanted some company. So I decided to get in my car and drive over to a restaurant which is less than half a mile away and I spent $11, probably spent, you know, $5 on gas and wear and tear on my car, you know, so maybe maybe $17 for the whole trip. Um, or $20 for all expenses combined, you know, for everything it took to, you know. So I'm thinking that was a very enjoyable experience. I had a great, great, uh, loving, wonderful interaction with the waiter, had some delicious food, I was in a beautiful environment. My old way of thinking would have been, oh, my God, I just spent $20. That means I'm $20 poorer oh, no, I should have stayed home and just eaten some cereal out of the cupboard, then I'd still have the $20 in the bank. So my old way of thinking was always about more money means good, less money means bad. Um, And I do consider the time that I was $15,000 in debt, although I appreciate the previous speaker's um, perspective, I think being in debt at that point was an investment in my life, like being in school or being in college. Um, That debt um, was an investment in my life, so I didn't mind being in debt, and I was perfectly peaceful um, having $15,000 debt. It also reminds me of Amazon. Amazon spent millions of dollars. They were millions of dollars in debt as they were investing in their future. And then, of course, there was a reward for their investment. Well, for me, there's been a reward for my investment in my education, and now I'm profitable, and I'm living with a profit. Um, And I love my new way of thinking, that when I want to give money, I give money. When I want to receive energy, I... Yeah, when I want to give energy, I give energy. When I want to receive energy, I receive energy. Um, And I do believe that God brings everything back uh, or Holy Spirit brings everything back into perfect balance. So um, I'm glad I have a new way of thinking about money. Um, and um, the old way of thinking created a lot of distortion uh, for me for many years. So with that, I'm complete. Well, I love hearing all that. Thank you, RJ. Thank you, RJ. Thanks, RJ. Yeah, God uses everything. Thank you, RJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we were restored to right-mindedness and everybody treated everybody equally, thought of everybody equally, acted towards everyone equally, there would be no poverty. There would be no starving in the world. Everybody would have what they need, <laughs> wouldn't they? 
<laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. And uh, I dare say that uh, eventually and at the beginning and, and now at the end or whatever you want to call it of the cycle, a large cycle of time, um, we eventually don't need money, period. Um, because we can have there's so much money in the um, in the world that we're not aware of um, and we can get technology that causes us to each have a, a vehicle that our own personal vehicle that can fly around the world in a few minutes this is what I heard and I believe it's true um, and that even NASARA, National Economic Security and Reformation Act, is a, a step towards that because it would eliminate the income tax and just have 14% flat ta rate tax on non-essential items only. But eventually we don't even need money because um, we can just be given what we need. And there's such a thing called a replicator machine that can replicate different things that we need and maybe even food, you know, um, stuff like that. Well, we can each have one and, and stuff like that. But that may not be for a long, long time, but um, eventually I believe that. And then, like you said, um, if we, we have to treat everybody equally and have a... Um, not have a scarcity-based economy, and the SARA would help would end the um, cycle of inflation also because our money would be precious metal-backed. And as long as there's only a certain amount of precious metals, we can't have inflation and all that. And But um, so anyway, I just wanted to make a few comments about since I came in on the part where we were talking about money, um, that eventually, I, I believe everything will be, you know, enough for everybody and, and there won't be any more poor people and starving people anymore, like you said. Thanks. I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. Yeah, thanks, Ida. And yeah, this is Lemoyne. Go ahead. Oh, giving yeah, and receiving are the same. I'm complete. Yeah. Indeed. This is perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if anybody has Netflix, uh, on Netflix, there's a new movie just released called Bank of Dave. The Bank of Dave. I think it just came out this week. Um, but it's an excellent, um, it's an excellent uh, portrayal of what can happen to community awareness when we realize the degree to which resources are really shared. And... Uh, it was really fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, 
I'm glad you said giving and receiving are one in truth. Um, I think abundance. Uh, you know, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And I think the whole idea, uh, the, the idea of abundance is our true inheritance. And that um, I'm very glad to say that that it seems to be an incremental, sometimes a sudden, uh, and sometimes incremental uh, transformation of my thinking that results in, as you say, uh, I used to, I would have seen it this way, but now I don't. You know, the whole Course in Miracles is about transcendent awareness or incorporation. Uh, yeah, it's not even incorporation because truth is already there. It's unlearning the errors um, that result in transcendent or transformed awareness. And, and, uh, and it is really fun, I think, uh, from time to time to look at, wow, you know, I would have, or old me would have, or isn't it cool that somehow my ideas about this have been transformed almost as if, um, you know, like my new beliefs snuck in without me even being aware of them, you know? I call it little cat feet. But the whole, um, the whole way we're enjoined to do these lessons are really about giving up or setting aside or transcending old ideas and making room for the truth, which is just always there. And, um, and abundance is very, very much, as you say. So I'm complete. Loved it. Thank you, Lori. There's, you know, in the spiritual world, in the spiritual sense, giving and receiving are one in truth. In the material sense, they're not necessarily. They can be. But we want to get to that place where they are and there's trouble abundance in the world and the leaders have that um, abundant um, mindset because they could, I believe they could have that abundance mindset and there is enough food and there is enough money and there is enough of everything if people wouldn't be greedy and people wouldn't be selfish, especially the leaders of the world, um, I believe we have it now. But we want to see the real world, right? So we work on it through the spiritual part, through the Course principles, and yes, we eventually see the real world, but in the real world, um, there is no lack, um, not even physically, not even financially or, or in a food way or whatever. But, um, but then he says we only see that for a moment. And then we're back in heaven where we really never left. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. Except that, oh yeah, I remember, oh yeah, there's really no such thing as time. Time, is, time and space are an illusion. 
so that in having a material world, having um, a planet and stuff, so that space is so everything will bump into each other, <laughs> and time is so we have time to get back to heaven. That's all it's for, really. So thanks for letting me share this with myself as I share it with you. I'm complete. Yeah, thanks. thanks I, I think it's a it's a it's a um it's about identity. <laughs> I am possibility or I am limited. So I think it's just identity. It's what do I want to identify with? Because even if I'm limited, if I take on the identity of I am possibility, then I'll take that limitation and I'll make it into possibilities because I can. It will, be, it will be limited possibilities, but all I need is one possibility and that'll change, the whole, that'll change the whole scenario because one possibility leads to another possibility. It's a matter of identity and, and um, yeah, you know, what is, what is my uh, energy behind it? Is it one of creativity, which is all part of possibility, or is it one of limitation, which is victimization? So it's just, ident- what am I identified with? I'm complete. It's good. I'm really glad you said that. Straight and sweet. Thanks, Sandra. Hi, this is Diana. I, I don't know where in the book, but I remember the words... Those who remember always that they know nothing, something like that, and who have become willing to learn everything will learn it. And we just have to do our part, you know, in this. Um, If we think we're just depending on ourselves and we're not learning, we ultimately have to, to go to that concept of I don't know and willing to to do whatever it is that we're wanting. I mean, if you're wanting a new job or more money or it's not going to just happen, um, you have to put some thought into that, you know, and trust that it can happen with practice and with, you know, your your baby step what works to get out there and do something about it. Um, the world is full of opportunities, but the willingness you know, is is a big step in that. I think for me, I told you, <clears throat> um, atonement, um, the undoing, is, is I think one uh, refers to it, uh, teaches you how to escape forever from everything um, that you have taught yourself in the past by showing you what you really have is just right now, this moment, you know? What can I do right now? Because this is God. This is the God moment right here, you know? If I'm quiet and I just sit for a moment and and reflect on him um, and see what thoughts come to me is the moment, is the, is the answer. Um, I don't think any man can perceive himself correctly 
you know, because he has no image. The word image is, uh, is always perception, you know, and it's not a product of knowing. So that's where we have to just stay still in the quiet and listen because now is the moment incomplete. Boy, that was a lot of good stuff, Diana. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Morning, it's Mindy. Um, this is an incredible lesson. I've invented the world I see. As I look around, I say, I've invented that cute little dress-shaped jewelry holder, hot pink. I've invented that cute little Valentine elf that's almost a foot tall that was only a dollar twenty-five at the Dollar Tree. How'd that happen? Um, <laughs> it's, it's challenging to get my mind around it. Um, you know, I, I'm reminded of the Matrix where, um, you know, the world that they were in was, the real world that they were in was not very pleasant. They were all hooked up to machines that took their electrical current and fed the aliens who took over the world. And they found that they had, that the humans wouldn't stay alive unless they believed that they were living and had a purpose and were in the world. And so they generated this thing called the matrix where everyone's thoughts contributed to the reality of what they thought they were in. And um, this world here being an illusion I have invented it. However, since I am one with my brothers, we have invented it. And some of it has been, some of it is just filled with love, like the beautiful geranium that I'm looking at. We invented that together. We, we, we made it up. I think it was some two weeks ago that there was a little blurb in the daily email about in time we exist with our brothers um, and in eternity we all coexist with God and so in our separate selves where we're not all one in God we have time and we have space and you know when I try to think I invented all this now how could I have invented all this I don't know how to make that cute little jewelry dress holder my brothers and I are one, but we're all in this dream where we're, we're expressing as separate identities. And someone made that dress. Someone made that cute elf. Someone planted the seeds for those geraniums. Yet, I'm the one who's cooperating in this grand illusion that we made, um, wanting to express ourselves individually and then forgetting our individuality in God as a ray of the sun, God being the sun. And I'm a ray of the sun. And how I hit the, how I I express myself as I leave God, God, if I were to to make it physical, if I were a ray of the sun, I'm at a different angle than somebody else's. My perspective is different. But I just, you know, I used to struggle with I create everything I see. And Lori and I had this discussion about my, how I experience everything is, is completely up to me. Things happen in this world. Um, we, ha- we have many co-creators and things happen. And out of our humanness, we have reactions. 
knee-jerk reactions and things happen. And then I choose to allow that to either enforce my belief, reinforce my belief that I'm a separate and a body that can be injured, or I can choose to interpret that completely differently as I'm one with it. This is a call for love, like a car accident where I get hurt. This is a call for love on my part. Um, I can use whatever happens to reinforce oneness and learning opportunity and allowing for a miracle that I'm calling for love and this is how I'm calling for love so I can experience a miracle and actually be turned around 180 degrees. Wow, you know, car accidents, I could say that's the worst thing that ever happened to me in my life. I lost most of my physical abilities. All I could do was be a governess, you know, because I could stand and I could sit and I could lie down and the kids nap and, you know, but I also could see that more directly than indirectly, my need for um, getting a phone at my nanny position put me in touch with someone whom I loved and I'd done a workshop with and was out of touch with. And I told him I no longer had a car as I was at this nanny position. I had had an accident. He said, I'm coming out to get you and I'm taking you to this incredible church. And that man drove over 100 miles to come pick me up and backtrack and then drop me off and go back home. So I could get this, this church where I met someone who told me, you're not a waitress, you're not a secretary, you're a singer, and you're a psychic. And she put me on the road to healing from my dysfunctional past. She introduced me to a person who was starting up a small church who I was also getting voice lessons from because he was a voice teacher, so I started singing at his church. She hooked me up with someone who went to a metaphysical festival and asked if I could do readings at lunch her lunchtime. And those horrific accidents, two of them, that bookended one year that took away so much of my well-being and abilities pointed me towards a very beautiful, rich life in so many ways. So I invented those car accidents because I I, I couldn't be a happy learner. For whatever reason, I I, I needed to have that. And um, no doubt in my mind that singing at Unity Churches opened me up to you know, Course in Miracles and so many other things where I am now not, I'm in the world but not of it so much now that I can be at peace through challenging circumstances. And I don't think that would have happened had I not had those accidents and just kind of went on as a secretary. So I guess what I'm trying to say, long story short, I have invented the world I see, both the call for love and the expression of love. And I've co-created it or made it. They say we made the world, but but whatever it is of love that I experience in this world, I've co-created it with my brothers. And, And I can take all the fear out of that by saying I am one with my brothers whom I trust. And I can go pay my 100 and something dollar registration fee to keep the roads in Michigan in better shape with a happy dream knowing that I'm supplied by God and that all my needs are met as I allow myself to understand that this dream is about bringing me home and there's nothing in it that I'm called to do that cannot bring me home if I simply surrender it. And all fear, all fear of any appearance. 
can be gone and replaced with peace. And I don't have to have any fear about anything I make up, no matter how challenging it looks, because its ultimate purpose is to bring me home. And I can go my way rejoicing and give thanks in all things, <laughs> which I'm going to do as I pay my first traffic ticket in I don't know how many years after I get my license so I'm not driving around on an unexpired registration and get another ticket. So I'm going to go my way rejoicing and see this as a huge opportunity to give and receive love and to be in a place of peace. And, and miracles are going to happen. And I've invented this for a good purpose. And if, if it was made out of fear... If I give it to the Holy Spirit, it will be used for love and be a stepping stone and bring me closer. (sighs) Thank you, God, for this opportunity. And thank you that miracles are abounding and there's going to be a lot of love expressed between me and everyone who receives this money that God has given me to gladden someone else's heart. Um, I'm complete. Thank you. Amen. It's so good to hear you happy, Mindy. I'm just I'm just loving yeah. it. Thank you. And I love your giggle. I Thank love your you, laugh. Man. It's so refreshing and happy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to treat myself to something fun tonight, uh, maybe art class. Even, even though I've just spent all this money, RJ, I can spend $6 on art class. Yes, I can. <laughs> and uh, it's just really amazing how everything that seems to be a challenge is really an opportunity to grow, to surrender, and to, to be bigger so I can receive and give more love and have more of those happy moments. And my kitty cat, who's been ill for about three months, is now playing. She's just playing so much. Every time I get happy, it's like, oh, my gosh. Look at this thing that she dropped on the floor. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> it's contagious, guys. You know, happiness is contagious. I think uh, don't anybody um, make that into a bumper sticker. I, I, I claim that one. I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I actually have that. that uh, it wasn't a bumper sticker. It was a, a piece of paper ripped out of um, a magazine, and I had that on my workstation for, I don't know, until I retired in COVID. It's a good reminder, and it's true. I'm complete. Thank you. Well, let me take this chance to thank you all. And, and, uh, yeah, all have had their turn. And, uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, I'll just end the recording here. Thanks again.